Anyway, uh, I was not here last Wednesday, but I heard Marcus did a great job. He told me what he preached on, on, you know, on, on judging and not judging the motives of others, but, you know, being accountable to ourselves. But anyway, I, it was great. And it was from 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to pick it up where he left off. And, uh, and so before I do that, though, I had, I had a, a word of knowledge. Uh, and the word, the, just during worship, and the word was this, that there's somebody here and recently, and I can't see any of you, but, uh, and I'm not going to have you, well, anyway, here's, anyway, recently something happened where it's really bothered you. You were treated wrong, it was unfair, uh, it wasn't good, and it's really kind of bothered you. And, uh, and that's the first word, and I had a word, an addendum to that, and then there's another person here where you had something happen further back in your past. I don't know. It, th- this other was more recent, but the, this, the second one was further back in your past, and you keep thinking, I should be over this, but it comes back to bug you at times. And, uh, you know, as Christians, we are really good at denial, but I, I have learned that when you denial, when you, it's like, if, if you're in denial, you know, that's when the crocodiles can get you. Anyway, the, the Nile, did you get it? The N-I-L-E. Anyway, but so, so you want to be able to release it to the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord to encounter you tonight. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have people get around you or anything. But if you're here tonight and you, you know, you, either one of those words apply to you, and maybe both of them do, uh, can you just raise your hand where you are just as a way of acknowledging it? Okay, we got a whole lot of hands. Okay, good. I didn't fully miss it. Um, so here we go. Uh, what I want you to do is, those of you that are, you know, that, are, that raise your hands, I want you to just put your hands out like it's Christmas. Uh, we're only 13 days away, by the way, <laughs> not to scare you. I'm getting a little bit of a reverberation, just so you know. Um, but anyway, I want you to just allow Jesus to come and encounter you in this. Because, you know, first of all, let me just say that when you live in this world, life is not fair. And so these things happen, and God wants us to be, to be free of the, the, the stuff that comes with that. So I want you to just, just kind of have your hands out to the side. And Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask you to encounter each and every person here who is struggling in this area. And I know it's, you know, it's, it's an area, Lord, that we all struggle with at times, but for those especially tonight, I pray, Lord, that you'll come, and you'll come alongside them, and you'll show them, Lord, that you endured so much on the cross for them. You took all the sins, your, their sins and the sins of the world and even the sins that were perpetrated against them to make them feel and struggle in this area. And so, Lord, I just ask you to come now and just release your peace. Help them to release this from their heart and release the pain of it and the wounding of it and the unfairness of it. I want you to say this, everybody, just say this with me on three. Lord Jesus, I release this pain to you. I release the people that caused the pain, and I put them in your care, in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. And now I receive your freedom and your peace. And I let it go. Now just take a minute here and just receive. And everybody can receive that peace, even if you're not struggling in that area. Thank you, Jesus. Be free. 
Amen? Let's give Jesus a hand. Hallelujah. You know, it's funny, since my primary role now is counseling, and I, before I always got physical, you know, somebody's arm is bad, somebody's neck is bad, somebody's toe is bad. Anyway, but I realize now that I counsel, I get more emotional healing words. <laughs> it's just weird. And I love Brian because he'll come out and he'll give names out. And he'll say, is there, you know, a Janet here? Is there a Sam or something? And so many times there isn't, you know, which makes me feel good because he launches out and he's not worried about whether he's going to fail or not. And so I got the word Ebenezer. And the last name starts with an S. I think it's Scrooge. Because we want to lay hands on you and cast that demon out of you. So you enjoy Christmas 13 days from now. I'm just teasing on that one. Okay, uh, I'm not as brave as Brian. I don't get names usually, but anyway, I guess I don't need that, do I? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in. And the title today is A True Apostle. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 4 primarily. Um, and so my question is, what is an apostle and are they present today? Now, you can put the question out. <clears throat> the question is real simple. Uh, what's an apostle? Well, the truth is that there are many that believe that there are no apostles today. They believe that the apostles and the prophets have passed away. Now, they still believe there's pastors. They still believe there's evangelists. And they still believe there's teachers. Now, in Ephesians 4, uh, it's Ephesians 4.11. It says that Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in order to equip the saints that they might do the work of the ministry. So that's the role. Now, it's interesting. In that scripture, it doesn't designate that Jesus, that Jesus gave prophets and apostles just to establish the church and then he gave pastors evangelists and teachers one way to remember that very easily by the way is if you use your hand you know the thumb represents the apostle uh, the pointing finger represents the prophet uh, the middle finger which I won't hold up alone uh, for obvious reasons but that is the, that represents the evangelist because it reaches out the most and then uh, the ring finger that's the pastor and, uh, and, and then the, the little finger is the teacher because he's the one that can get in your ear and clean it out so you can hear better. Amen? So you'll never forget that. So it's important to see. Now, those that believe in cessation theology that mean all the gifts and tongues and you know, apostles and prophets passed away, uh, they believe that that's passed away. Now, that's a false teaching. It's based on 1 Corinthians 13.8. When you read it in context, uh, it, it's very clear that when Jesus returns, those things will pass away. But thank God we have them today. And, you know, it, it's really important to see that. Now, it says in Ephesians 2.20, it says that the, the, that the foundation of the church, Jesus is the cornerstone, but the foundation of the church are the prophets and the apostles. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation. Now, it's interesting. Cessationists says, well, that was just to establish the church, the foundation. After that... We don't need the foundation anymore. We just have the other three. That's false teaching. And it's very clear because the church itself, the body of Christ, is not an edifice. It is a living, active 
you know, body made up of people. And thank God there still are apostles today and there still are prophets today as well as pastors, evangelists, and, and teachers. But what I want you to see, though, is uh, let me just show you the word, the Greek word for apostle. Now, it's really weird, interesting. The English word for apostle we get from the Greek word. In fact, it's the word apostolos. Apostolos is the Greek word, and it literally means, the literal meaning is one who is sent forth. And the idea that this person is sent forth by God or, you know, by Christ, uh, that, that's an apostle. And so apostles are very important, and we're going to talk more about that, but you know, it's interesting that Paul, no doubt, was an apostle. I mean, he had that Damascus Road experience. He was persecuting the church, and suddenly he went from that and where he had that encounter with Jesus, and then he was called and commissioned to go forth and bring, basically bring the gospel to the Gentiles, but also to the Jews, but primarily to the Gentiles. And uh, so it was very powerful. Now, there were also people that proclaimed themselves as apostles. They were often referred to as the super apostles. Now that term, super apostles, was a little bit sarcastic because they pumped themselves up, they thought they were great, and, uh, and so that term, and so I'm gonna, before I get to 1 Corinthians 14, I'm gonna go, first of all, to 1 Corinthians, uh, it's chapter 11, and it's, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get my glasses out here to see, whoops. I guess I don't have them. Anyway, uh, it's, it's uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 4 through 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Then when we go to chapter 4, I'm going to move into the Amplified Bible. Uh, you can follow me if you like. Uh, and it says this. Uh, this is Paul writing. And he says, you, and he's talking to the Corinthians. And he says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus. And that's exactly what the apostles were doing. Uh, the super apostles, the false apostles, uh, then one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super, notice uh, super apostles, it's in quotes, uh, who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker. Now Paul admits that he wasn't a great speaker which is really interesting to me because these super apostles thought they were tremendous speakers and they would put Paul down because he wasn't as good a speaker. But the truth was they didn't carry the truth, he did. But he said, I'm not lacking in knowledge and we have made that, this clear to you in every possible way. And so I want you to understand, uh, you know, that Paul was, he was trying to correct, out of love, he was trying to correct the Corinthians who were, many of them were following after these super apostles' teachings. Uh, it's interesting, if you drop down in, in 2 Corinthians 11 to verse 13 and 14, it says, these people are false apostles. Notice he uses the term false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Now, notice he says they disguise themselves, and then he goes on to say, but I'm not surprised because even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And what does that mean, they disguise themselves? Well, they would, they would be very super spiritual. Have you ever been around really, really super spiritual people? person and you kind of thought well they're really spiritual but then you could see through it and you could see oftentimes you could see that there was a 
there was a falseness and a phoniness, and they use that super spiritual veneer to maybe cover up things and try to use it sometimes to manipulate and control. You know, people that pull the God card a lot. Well, God said this and God said that. How do you argue? You know, can't, you can't even have a conversation with a person like that because, you know, and so these guys, let me tell you what they taught. There were a lot of things. First of all, they had tremendous pride and uh, they would charge people to be followers of them, to be disciples of them as apostles. They would proclaim themselves as apostles and they would charge people. And they were upset because Paul didn't charge. He would have his followers, his disciples who would follow him and he wouldn't charge them, but they would charge, you know, amount. And, and, and so they were frustrated with him that he didn't charge because they would oftentimes use this for financial gain. Uh, also, another thing too, uh, they would elevate themselves uh, they would put down Paul constantly. Uh, they would talk about how they were better and could speak better and how uh, his, he didn't charge because his teachings were worthless. And then uh, also they were legalistic. Now, some of them were Judaizers. And in the book of Galatians, we learn about the Judaizers. They said that it's not enough to have Jesus Christ in your life. You must also uh, fulfill the old covenant. If, that's, if you're a male, that means you have to be circumcised to fulfill the old covenant. Also, you had to keep Torah, and you had to do these things, and so they, they, would, they, became, they came with this legalism. But also, on the other side, too, they were very loose morally, and they would allow things to go on morally, even in their own lives, immoral things, and they would allow other immoral. So Paul had to correct the immorality, too. He had to correct the, the things that they were doing because... They had followings. They were good speakers. They were, they were really good at what they did. And, uh, you know, the sad part was, though, that they, they just, they, they would, the thing that upset Paul so much, he loved the Corinthians. That was the church he had founded. And he loved them so much that he, it bothered him so much when he saw them being straying off into a different gospel and a different Jesus. And so, again, that was difficult. Now, what I want to do is I want to go you can turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, and we're going to go to verse 8. Now, Marcus left. This is where Marcus left off. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. Uh, but I want you to understand, again, what Paul was dealing with. I want you to give that as a backdrop so you understand when he was speaking to the Corinthians, he was somewhat frustrated that they were following these apostles, and he was really uh, frustrated with these false apostles. And so, uh, so let's go right now to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 8, as I said, I'm going to use the, the Amplified. Now, I remember in seminary, we were told never to use sarcasm in our messages. And, you know, I, I didn't know the scriptures well enough at that time. But Paul is very sarcastic in this. And I want you to hear it. Because if you didn't know that, you might misunderstand it. Now, that's why I'm using the Amplified. Because the Amplified, this passage could be misunderstood. But the Amplified goes into a little more detail. It takes the original language, and it just, it just amplifies a little bit. Sometimes it's really wordy, but actually in this passage, I think it does well. So it says, uh, this, this is what Paul writes. He says, and he's writing to the Corinthians, you believe as if you are already filled with spiritual wisdom and in need of nothing more. Already you have become rich in spiritual gifts, and you, in your, in your conceit, 
have ascended. And the, the word in your conceit, these, when you see in parentheses, that's not in the original language. He's, that's put in there to help to explain what Paul was trying to get across. And that's why if you read it without this, you might miss it. You might think he was complimenting them on how well they were doing, but he wasn't. He was trying to get their attention. And he says, you and your conceit have ascended your thrones and become kings without us. And how I wish that it were true that you, you did reign as kings, meaning you didn't, but yeah, I wish it was, so that we might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles at the end of the line, like men sentenced to death and practiced and, and paraded as prisoners in a procession because we have become a spectacle to the world, a show in the world's amphitheater, both to angels and to men, we are regarded as fools for Christ. And that's not a term that's a great term. A fool was somebody that was really looked down upon and degrading. Uh, but we're looked upon as fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are highly esteemed, but we are dishonored. In other words, he was showing them how in their in their error, how they were doing. So again, it's important to understand that he was being very sarcastic here. He would have been in trouble in my seminary that I went to. He, they, he would have gotten an, a, an F on that, on that letter. But fortunately, we're not grading him. Amen? Okay, so uh, what I want you to see is that, you know, Paul's writing this in order to correct them, to bring them back to a reasonable position and to really help them. Uh, I, I want to tell you a story. This, this is when we were in the old building, probably about 15 years ago, I'm guessing. Um, there was a lady in our church, and her mother was the head intercessor for this man who was very well known in the country. Uh, he was very prevalent in promise keepers and, uh, you know, was well thought of and considered himself and proclaimed himself as an apostle. And so she said, hey, we have the opportunity to bring him here. I'm not going to tell you his name, so don't ask me after the service. Anyway, we're going to bring him here. <clears throat> we're going to bring him here. And, you know, and uh, I said, okay, that's great. So I said, okay. Well, then he sent me a list of what he wanted. First of all, he wanted to be picked up in a limousine. Secondly, he wanted me to set up golf for him uh, at the Inverness. Obviously, I would pay for it and you know, and, and play with him. He wanted that. He wanted to stay at the Inverness Hotel, uh, which I don't know what it was called back then. I don't. But anyway, uh, he also, he he also when he came, all he he spent about 15 minutes promoting his books and his tapes and his CDs. I don't know his tapes and CDs 15 years ago. But anyway, he promoted all and and it was all self promotion, and and so, and, and then he told me how much he was charging. It wasn't a love offering. And, but I'd already committed. And I went to this person. I said, wow. I said, he's really asking a lot. Well, we need to treat him well. He is an apostle, you know. And I went, Argh. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, all I want to say is beware when people proclaim themselves as an apostle. Now, Paul was definitely an apostle. But be careful when people proclaim themselves as apostles and use that to get stuff. Well, about a year later, and by the way, I did all those things. Uh, we paid him the, the money, which was a huge sum of money, probably the largest we gave to anybody at that time. Uh, and, you know, he played golf. I played golf with him at the Inverness, and, and we put him up there, and we... Guess what, though? 
Uh, I picked him up in my car and I said, I'm sorry, this isn't a limo, this will have to do, but it'll get you to where you need to go. And uh, he wasn't real happy about it, but he got over it. Anyway, otherwise I said, uh, you know, you can, you can hitch to the, to the Inverness if you want. Now I didn't say that, but I wanted to. Because I, I, was, I didn't like the attitude. And so a year later he calls me and he says, hey, I really had a great time at your church, I'd like to come back. <laughs> what do you think I said? Yeah, wrong, Gary. <laughs> We'd never had him back. <laughs> anyway, I just want to tell you that because it's amazing how people will use a title that they put upon themselves. And uh, we're going to talk about what the marks are of an apostle. So we know what a true apostle is. That's, that's the title of this. Because there's a lot of self-proclaimed apostles. Uh, and, you know, just there's a lot of stuff going on sadly in the body of Christ however it's not new there's nothing new under the sun Solomon said in Ecclesiastes and there was stuff going on back in Paul's time in the Corinthian church same kind of thing happening these people were heaping stuff upon themselves and and people were stupid enough to follow them and uh, they were preaching things that were not scriptural I mean you know by that uh, Paul really had been he knew exactly what was going on. Thank God for Paul, because we get a lot of correction that he brings. Now, let's talk about this. Let me ask you this. We can do this because, you know, it's not on a Sunday morning, but any questions before I go into the characteristics of a true apostle? Uh, I covered a lot of ground quickly. Is there anything, any confusion? You guys are with me? Okay. I probably can't see your hand if it's raised, so uh, anyway. <laughs> so, I want to talk about what are the characteristics of a true apostle and why should we imitate them? Now, it doesn't mean we try to imitate them by being apostles, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, uh, and, and this, I think this is a really powerful statement. He says, so I urge you, be imitators of me just as a child imitates his father. In other words, he was saying, you need to imitate my ways, my lifestyle, my approach to life. Now that, <laughs> I don't know if I could ever make that statement, you know, because there's a lot of things I'd like you to imitate, but there's some things in my life I'd rather you wouldn't imitate, amen? And don't say amen, Gary. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, but, but truthfully, think about that statement, imitate me. You know, do it the way I do it. <laughs> you know, there's some areas I'd say, yeah, that's good. But there's some areas over here, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just I, I wouldn't want you to imitate me over in this area, uh, just to be fully honest. And, and so the key here is I want you to hear these true characteristics because a lot of this is the character of the apostle. It's the way the, 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 the apostle responds. And, uh, and so let's jump in here. Let's see, we're in 1 Corinthians 11, I'm 1 Corinthians 14, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 through 16. Did I miss anything here? No, we did 13, okay. I do not write these things to shame you, but to warn and advise you as my beloved children. Paul had a heart of love for the Corinthians. He loved them, he had birthed them, he had led many of them to Christ. And so he really cared about them. And so he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you and advise you. For even if you were to have 10,000 teachers to guide you in, in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers 
who led you to Christ and assume responsibility for you. Now, he's talking about the difference between just a person that teaches and a person that really cares about that individual or those individuals and really not only leads them to Christ or after they're led to Christ, even by someone else, cares for them, nurtures them until Christ is formed in them. There's a difference between a father and a teacher. A father has a love for their, for their child, a natural love for their children, and so you know they, they want the best for them. And so Paul was using this analogy to say, this is what I want for you. And, he's, and he's, he goes on to say, so I became your father in Christ Jesus through the good news of salvation. So I urge you to be imitators of me just as a child imitates his father. You know, it's amazing when you think about it how Paul was saying he was trying to correct them but do it in love in such a way to say, hey, they're just teachers out there. They're just filling you with, in many cases, false teaching. But I'm a father who birthed many of you and who deeply cares about you and wants the very best for you. And so you can see Paul's heart come out in this in a very powerful way. Um, so I'm going to talk about characteristics. First of all, number one, without, and, and you know, uh, we're going to put the characteristics up in a minute, but, but the first characteristics, which I didn't put up, it's just a given, uh, a, a, an apostle is, is an apostle by God's commissioning, not by his proclamation of being a, an apostle, uh, but it's commissioned by God. The Lord Jesus Christ actually is the one that sets apostles in the body. And so he's the one that sets them. He gifts them. He calls them to it. It's a calling, and they are called to walk in it. Now, a present-day apostle. Uh, present-day apostles seem like they don't really struggle. I mean, in the way, unless they're in, in third-world countries, but in, in, in this country, it seems like, present-day apostles or those that proclaim themselves want a lot of glory and want, you know, <laughs> and even use it to manipulate in some ways. However, here's the key. Here's what I want you to see. A true apostle, here's some of the characteristics or the marks of a true apostle. Number one, they're humble. Now, the super apostles were proud. They were extremely proud. And they, they thought they were better they thought they were apostles because they were better than others. Paul never had that attitude. In fact, in Philippians 2, verse 3, uh, he actually says in that scripture, he says, you know, not to be conceited or have selfish ambition, but to think of others more important than yourself. In other words, not to be so focused on you, but you actually care more about other people. Now, that's hard because we're all somewhat selfish, but he was saying how, and then he talks right in that same passage, he talks about how Jesus was able to do that, how he was able to, you know, not operate in his deity, but he took the form of a servant and he humbled himself even to the point of death. And so bottom line is <laughs> humility is something that's so important as, 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 a, as a, an apostle. Not somebody that lords it over to think, but somebody who's there to serve, somebody who's there to care. That's number one. And, uh, and number two would be they're able to be truthful. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they're able to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, Paul says that we are to speak the truth in love. Now, what does that mean? It means we need to bring forth what is true, but to do it in a loving way. You'll see as we get into the next chapter, 
chapter five, he actually talks about dealing with a very immoral situation in the church. And he talks, tells them about how this has to be dealt with because they're not dealing with it and how they really are gonna need to, to, to really allow truth in love. You see, you can't hammer people with truth, but you can bring truth in love. Whether a person receives it or not, sometimes it's not, it's not up to you, it's up to that person. When you really love a person, when you really care about them, you're going to speak truth. If they're about to get involved in, in a situation, maybe an affair or some kind of a situation that you see as extremely detrimental to their life, if you love them, you will say something to them. You'll bring truth to them and say, wow, I really think you're on, you're, you're on thin ice and you could go under. This could cause destruction to you and your family. You know, and, you know, if you see somebody, you know, maybe going in, you know, just, <laughs> I remember we had a couple in our, in our church and they were always asking for money. Well, finally, I went to their house to pray with them and we would help them, you know, and they had two new cars in the driveway and they were living in Diamond Ridge, the beautiful new home. And I go, <laughs> wait a minute what's wrong with this picture and I said to them I, he goes well you know we were taught to fake it till we make it and he was involved in multi-level things and and I said well guess what we're not going to help you to fake it <laughs> you know I pray you'll make it but we're not going to help you as a church because you know you're living way beyond your means now sometimes you have to be honest with people you have to really share the truth and I said look <laughs> you know <laughs> I wouldn't have helped you the last time if I'd known this was a situation this is wrong. They didn't like that. They were mad. They left the church. But anyway, you can't force people to receive truth. But people that are living way beyond their means, you want to help them because you can see they're just getting into debt and they, they bought a lie that somebody said, fake it till you make it because then you'll do better in your multi-level. Yeah, you, you'll do fine until you're bankrupt. In other words, <laughs> Paul was willing to speak the truth into difficult situations, but he always did it out of a heart to help the person. If you do it in a heart to just, you know, if you do it just to hammer the person, that's not going to help them. And so, again, that is the sign of an apostle. And these are the things that he wants us to imitate. He wants us to imitate the humility and consider others, you know, to, to focus more on others than just on me, 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 me. You know, and also the second thing, too, is not just that, but also to be able to speak truth into people's lives. It's so, so important. And uh, I know there's many times in my life, and it, it's always a challenge. It's always a challenge whether you're going to bring the truth or not, whether you're going to speak the truth or not, because you might be having a wonderful conversation, everything's going well, but then there's a situation that arises, and you know that if you do speak the truth, it may help them, but it also may break your relationship. And so you've got to really pray, and you've really got to make sure it's out of love. That's, that's number two. But, uh, but true apostles do that. They do it in love. And, uh, and, and they speak the truth in love. And number, that just feeds right into number three. They need to be what? What's number three? Motivated by love. And again, that's where truth comes. But they need to be motivated by love. Now, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5.14 where he says that he was compelled or you know, driven or motivated by love. That was his driving force that drove him. 
And see, when apostles driven by love, it's amazing. Now, I get to go to Pakistan with Leif Hetland, and he is called the apostle of love in Pakistan. And that man walks so fully in love that I've seen many Muslims come to Christ because of the heart of love that he has for them. He's not condemning them. He's not frustrated with them. He just loves them, and he loves them into the kingdom in many cases. And I, I just want to say that... If you're trying to reach people, you can hammer them with the gospel all you want, but I guarantee you they're not going to care how much you know until they know how much you care. And they're not going to really, until they can receive that love, it's going to be hard to get the gospel message to them. You know, it's oftentimes they won't trust the message until they trust the messenger. Does that mean you shouldn't share the gospel? No, you should. But especially in the opportunities, and especially with family members. With family members, I think it's so, so key to really to be able to love them and not just hammer them with the gospel. Because family members, it's harder. And, uh, you know, I, I did lead my brothers, both my brothers and both my parents to the Lord. I was the first one in my family to receive Christ. I was the oldest of three brothers. And I, I prayed for them constantly so that my heart would be right. And I just didn't want them to die and not be in heaven when I got to heaven. And so I, I really prayed out of that compassion of I wanted them to see, I wanted them to be in heaven. And my parents are both in heaven now. And I'm so thankful. I can't wait to see them there. And I know it's going to be so exciting. But, but the key is we've got to be motivated by love. And when Paul talks about how a father, you know, imitate me as a father does a son. Uh, I mean, as, you know, imitate me as a son does a father. In other words, he's, he's talking about that fatherly love uh, that he was. He was a father to the Corinthians. Okay, number four. Number four is, uh, and again, this is very important. Apostles are concerned about other people. They're not just concerned about their position. They're not concerned about their title. They don't even care about that. True apostles, they don't, they don't care about that. They care about that they, they can reach out to other people and help other people. They can bring other people to Christ. And, you know, it's amazing when you look at Paul's missionary journeys. I mean, he traveled all over, uh, but it was the heart of love that drove him. And he said that in 2 Corinthians 5.14. That heart of love just compelled him and drove him to those places. And, and let me tell you, he went through a lot to reach people for Christ. But he was, he was moved by that compassion, literally moved by compassion. And, and so basically, uh, concern for others, you know, we can, well, he says that in Philippians 2, 3. He says, you know, do, do not be conceited and have selfish ambition, but be more focused on others than yourself. And, uh, and so that's hard for us, but that's what true apostles do. And, uh, and so the fifth one is willing to suffer. <laughs> How many of you want to be apostles? <laughs> when you look at Paul and all he went through, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he lists all the suffering he went through. I mean, three, five times he was given 39 lashes by the Jews, his own people. He was Jewish. They literally took him to the point of death. 40 kills you. And he was given 39. He was brought to the brink of death. He actually was stoned to death and raised from the dead. 
He was also beaten with rods three times. It said, you know, he was shipwrecked. He didn't have enough clothes to stay warm, didn't have enough food. Uh, also, he was, you know, he said he, people, his own people came against him. The Gentiles came against him. I mean, literally, he went through hell. And so I have learned that apostles oftentimes are willing I mean, not oftentimes, they're willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. Now, it's not talking about suffering with sickness and disease or suffering, you know, with, you know, with, it, it's not talking about those, it's not talking about that. It's talking about willing to suffer to reach people, willing to suffer persecution, really willing to endure the sufferings of Christ. Jesus suffered. He was crucified. Uh, he was persecuted. He was spat upon. He was treated horribly, even though he never sinned. He loved everyone. <clears throat> and so in the same way, apostles love, but they somehow, uh, the enemy hates them and they're treated, people treat them terribly. And yet the amazing thing is they're willing to put up with all kinds of struggles. Um, you know, it's interesting that um, <laughs> it, 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 suffering is an amazing thing because I've heard messages where if you're really a strong Christian and you really have faith, you won't have to suffer. And then I think, did this, did this preacher not read Paul's letters? Did he not see what Paul went through? What he was willing to go through? And you know what he said? I count this slight momentary affliction as nothing compared to the weight of glory that I will experience. Now think about that. He knew that he would experience this weight of glory when he got to heaven, and he said, I don't care, this light momentary affliction, it was not light momentary affliction. <laughs> it was major affliction. But he was willing to do that because out of the love he had for the people that he was reaching. And so again, again, these are the, these are the characteristics that he wants us to imitate. And the last, uh, the last one that I have here on the screen is widespread authority and influences. When you look at Paul's journeys, he went and he planted so many churches. He planted, I mean, he had such an impact. He would go in and correct. I mean, apostles will correct. He went in and he literally corrected some of the false doctrines. He corrected things, but he also, you know, he also uh, anointed people to, like Timothy to be raised up as a pastor. Uh, I mean, he did so much. And his influence and his authority was so powerful that it impacted the whole world and literally helped to turn the world upside down for Jesus. Uh, an amazing person, an amazing person, the Apostle Paul was. I just think we're going to get to meet him in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. I want to be, and he was a little guy, I guess. He wasn't very big, and he wasn't a very good speaker, but man, was he a powerful individual. Why? Because he had these characteristics. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and so, again, uh, now, there's one characteristic, there's several probably, but there's one that Paul mentions a little later, and I want, can anybody guess what that is, another mark of a true apostle, uh, as apart from a false apostle? Does anybody want to guess what it is? Go ahead, you can only be wrong or right. I mean, you got a 50-50 chance. Take a shot. Anybody? What do you think? What's another characteristic? What is it? Presence, okay. That's a good one. That's not the one Paul mentions, but yeah, the presence of God's really important. You can't do it without his presence. It's gonna to be tough. That's good. That's a good one, but that's not the one I'm looking for. Well, he did start churches. Yeah, that's not the one he mentions, but it's coming up. 
Uh, but yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but, but that's good. You guys are both good. You're both right. You're just not bringing the one up I want. <laughs> so somebody else. I'll give you one more guess. Yeah. What is it? Actually, it starts with a P. I thought you had it, but it's not, it's not prophet. But he was a prophet. He, did, he operated in the prophetic too, which is good. You guys are all right, but rather than hold you any longer, uh, uh, if you could put up the next, put up the next, oh no, okay, yeah. I'm going to read this, and then you can tell me what it is, okay? Uh, actually, just don't put it up, because I think on that same slide, it, it gives the answer. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to see if you can get it. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20. And Paul writes this. He says, I will come to you soon if the Lord is willing, and I will find out just the, the talk of these arrogant people. He was talking about the false, uh, false apostles. Uh, but evaluate their spiritual what? Oh, it's not up there. That's right. Don't put it up. Don't put it up. I'm sorry. I thought, geez, you guys are slow. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But evaluate their spiritual, starts with a P. What do you think it is? Power. Power. Very good. Good job, honey. Anyway, uh, <laughs> whether they live up to their own claims, for the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power. You can put it up now. There it is. Okay, on three, I want you to say the P word. One, two, three. All right, good, good. Now, here's another thing. Paul operated in the supernatural power of God. An apostle needs to operate in the supernatural power of God. And that's a big difference because these other so-called super apostles, false prophets, false apostles, they did not operate in power. They, they didn't operate. They didn't see the miracles. They didn't see the healings. They didn't do, you know, and, and I mean, Paul was raised from the dead. You talk about miraculous power. He actually experienced being raised from the dead. And that's where he talks about where he went and um, he said, I knew a man who went to the third heaven. Well, that was him. And, uh, and so here's what, I, here's what I want you to know. It's not enough just to have all those characteristics, but God wants us to imitate Paul by operating in his power. You don't have to be an apostle to operate in power but if you are an apostle, you better operate in power. Amen? But just as a believer, we, we operate in the power. It's the same power. Jesus Christ operates in and through us. No, the gifts have not, have not, <laughs> have not gone away. The apostles and the prophets, and the, they haven't gone away. You know, the good news is that God's still operating in supernatural power today as he was 2,000 years ago. And so it's very important to recognize, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, afraid to pray for the sick. You know, don't be afraid to pray for somebody who's struggling. And I have learned in counseling, I need his supernatural help to be able to help people. You know, I can help people just in the natural, but I need his supernatural empowering to do that. In the same way, we all need that. You need it in your jobs, whatever, you, whatever job you're working at. You need his supernatural empowering. You need your supernatural empowering to be a father or a mother or a kid or just to be a good person. You need that supernatural ability and power, which he gives freely to us. Freely. And so, bottom line is, you know... The bottom line here is that it's really important to, to know that what a true apostle looks like. And, you know, um, I met when I was in China. I went to China in 1984. That was, people still were wearing mouse suits and everything. And I met a man who was a true apostle. 
And that man suffered incredibly. He was tortured. In fact, things got so bad that he tried to take his life. He jumped out of a four-story window. And he tried to kill himself because the pain, and, but he had led so many people to Christ. He had done so many incredible things, but he was tortured. He was in prison for a long time. And he showed me the, the welts. He still had the col discoloration on his arms, on his body from when he was beaten and from when he fell, you know, fell. He fell, he jumped out of this window and he landed on garbage cans. Apparently he didn't look down, I guess. But anyway, he landed on garbage cans and he realized he, he was alive. He was a little banged up. And he goes, well, I guess God wants me to continue on. And this man was an amazing man. I spent probably about four hours with him, talking with him. And I felt like as I you know, was at his feet, I felt like I was at the feet of the Apostle Paul as he shared the struggles and the pain, but the impact that he'd had. And he, by then, he'd come over that. He said, I went through depression. I went through pain to the point where I didn't want to live. And uh, he said, graciously, God rescued me. He said, I believe angels rescued me, and also I fell on these garbage cans, and I didn't die. And he said, I continued to minister. And, uh, but anyway, what I'm saying to you is that it's amazing. There are apostles that we don't know their names, but I guarantee you, they're not only written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they will be highly, when we see them in heaven, we will be amazed at these individuals who poured out their life, who suffered, who were not, didn't have, weren't in the limelight, you know, they weren't known, they weren't, you know, they, they, they really led a kind of a quiet life in terms of the world, and yet they were powerfully, powerfully used of God. I want you to know something, you don't have to be in the limelight to be used of God. But you do need to have the qualities that Paul said to imitate. I'm just going to go over them again. I'm just going to mention them again real quickly. I probably better look at my notes because I might mess it up. So here, first one is humble. Say humble. Truthful. Motivated by love. <laughs> now I lost my notes. Concern for others. Very good. Somebody was listening. Willing to suffer. Widespread authority influence. And the last one, everybody said, power. power. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. And Lord, help us. Lord, we want to become more like Jesus. Lord, we look to you tonight to help us to really be imitators of Paul. We really want to let these qualities come forth in our life. Help us, Father, in all these areas. Most of all, let love be the primary motivator in our life. Let us be willing to suffer whatever it might be, the persecution and the struggles. Lord, let us be grateful for those things that represent the sufferings of Jesus. And so tonight, Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We thank you for the opportunities we'll have in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you all. Have a great, great evening. Uh, if you, I guess... I was thinking of having you, if you, want, if you want to pray with somebody, just grab somebody and say, hey, could you pray with me? Uh, I want you to pray with me in this area. So you don't have to rush off. It's only about 18 minutes after eight. So I love you all. Have a great, great rest of the week. Isn't it wonderful to be able to come in the middle of the week, experience worship, get a little of the word, get built up? I mean, it really helps, doesn't it? Anyway, have a great rest of the, rest of the evening, and God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you.